Are you thinking, is this it? Waking up in the morning and ugh, I have to go to work? When is it going to end? If you ever wonder why we ask questions during our podcasts. Nah, you just listen for the free tips. We ask questions for you to get coaching without paying the expense of a private coach and for you to get help right away because the world needs you to be better. And now it's even easier for you to get the inspiration you need to make your life and relationships meaningful with the Building Better Relationship Journal and Meditation, your personal coaching journal that finds the gold in you that makes life joyful and, yes, worth getting out of bed every morning, along with the Building Better Relationships Meditation that attracts the energy and love you want in your life. What are you waiting for? Yeah, baby, this is it. Live love now. To learn more and to purchase the Building Better Relationships at Home and Work Journal and Meditation, go to https colon forward slash forward slash bit dot ly forward slash bbr journal. That's https colon forward slash forward slash bit dot ly forward slash bbr journal. You can find the link in the show notes. Building better relationships at home and at work for people who have more than enough on their plate. Two coaches dangling the possibility of finding joy in your relationships. Do you dare to consider life can be better? Have a listen and tell us why. Today's episode has some adult language. In today's episode, we have a special guest, Daniel Ballman, white, woof, black bear. Our conversation will be about building relationships with integrated healing. Daniel Bowman is an intuitive healer and light worker. He has been a spiritual practitioner for over 40 years. His foundation is in transcendental meditation, Native American shamanic medicine, and the energy medicine known as Reiki. Daniel, can you please tell us and the listeners about you and your integrated healing journey? First off, ladies, thank you so much for having me. This is quite the privilege. My journey began, I first opened up to spirit when I was in high school. What happened was a transcendental meditation center, an ashram, had opened up in a neighboring town. And my health class teacher invited representatives from the center to speak to our class. And when they did, I just had to learn more about this meditation thing. So I made it a point to connect with the folks at the center. And over a two-week period, they taught me how to meditate via the transcendental meditation method. And that's the first time I started to feel some shifts in me. You know, I came from a very loud clan, you know, argumentative East Coast people. And um, when you intentionally step away from what is considered normal behavior, it gets noticed. You know, I chose to not participate and I I got just much quieter around them. But in addition to that, I, uh, you know, was astral projecting and all sorts of things. Just my senses opened up and I found that quiet place that I really needed to find. And I learned how to source from it when I was interacting with my world. Just many shifts there. And uh, it was, you know, I've. For the most part of my life, I've always lived outside the box because it wasn't, it was over a decade before I even met one other person that even meditated. Okay. But um, it wasn't until 1991 that I consciously and intentionally went on my spiritual path. And that's when I moved to Arizona. Now, Arizona was not even on my radar. I wound up here and it wasn't my idea. It was spirit's idea. And shortly after I got here, I met a remarkable individual a Native American medicine. Her name is Melody Adams. Her spirit name is Touch Hearts Woman. And this was one of the most amazing phases of my life. I spent uh, about two years with Melody and I studied under her as her apprentice. She's a shaman. And it was 
it was an amazing journey. She opened up doorways in me and showed me things about myself and the world that are just remarkable. But she shared with me the medicine of the Cherokee shamanic tradition. And when I say medicine, I'm not referring to, you know, going to the pharmacy and picking up a prescription. Medicine in this context, in a Native American context, refers to the traditions, the ceremony, you know, the perspective, and well, the magic that's woven into Native American culture. It was a wonderful, amazing journey. I'll never forget it. And Melody moved away after two years, and she gifted me with a prayer pipe and asked for nothing. I spent countless hours with this person. She never asked for a cent. And she just said, now you turn around and share what I share with you with others. And But my time with Melody, she introduced me to many very interesting people within the healing community here in Arizona. I met all sorts of people, crystal healers, white witches, Christian prayer warriors, Buddhist monks. But I kept hearing about this Japanese hands-on healing modality called Reiki. And the idea of healing with energy, that just blew my mind. I mean, it was you know biblical in scope, quite literally. We all grew up with those stories from the Bible, Jesus healing with his hands. So when Melody moved away, I made it a point to find my next teacher, who turned out to be Reiki master teacher Suzanne Smith. And in 1994, Suzanne taught me and initiated me in Reiki practice. And in the healing work I do today, I use tools that I learned as a shamanic apprentice. And I use sound therapy, tool I rely on the most, the one that's the most powerful, uncomplicated, and the most widely accepted by the medical community. That's Reiki. Nothing compares. And here we are. Amazing. Daniel, can you tell us about your website name? It sounds like a spiritual name, White Wolf, Black Bear, and how that came about. Absolutely. Spirit backed me into a corner to go public, you know, and um, because going public as a shaman, that's just not something we do. It's seen in, no, no, I'm serious. It's seen in very poor taste to even say it, you know, but I was put on notice that it's time. The world needs you and people like you. You, you must stand up and announce yourself and offer what you have because it's needed. But uh, White Wolf Black Bear. So I was boxed in this corner. I, you know, I've got to go public. I have to have a web presence. I, you know, a practice name. What am I going to do? And I just thought about it for a few days and prayed about it and meditated about it. And I got back to my animal totems, or my spirit guides. And the white wolf, the wolf is in the south of the medicine wheel. That's our place of protection, the place of fire, Archangel Michael's. And the, the wolf traditionally in Native American culture is the pathfinder. So I thought the white wolf would be kind of, would be fitting. And the bear, bear is in the west of the medicine wheel. That's where the water is, hibernation, intuition. And, uh, you know, once we get on our path, we have to trust. Spirit brought us to the right place. And then we go in with that and we sit with it, you know, meditate on it, pray on it. Let it, you know, assimilate into part of who we are. And then we move to the north of the wheel. And that's our place of wisdom. And then we're ready to share it. But the white wolf black bear, how that came about, you know, I actually, I found a photograph of a wolf standing next to a bear. And it really touched me. And, and I made a copy of it. And that from that, I kind of went into where, what I came out with it, you know, into my shamanic training. And, and it fit. And, you know, once I came up with the name White Wolf Black Bear, five minutes later, I was out front talking to my neighbor, Sarah. You know, I, I came up with the name. I like the name. But now I have to find somebody to design me a logo. I don't know where I'm even going to start. And Sarah goes, well, you know, my boyfriend, Kevin, he does logos. <laughs> Why don't you shoot him a text? <laughs> and he came up with this amazing logo for him. And it just happened like that. Because, you know, you know how it is. It's supposed to. When it's supposed to, it's easy. Everything falls into place. And it's a good example of when you share. When you share, you said you go out of the house, share it to your neighbor, and the neighbor says, well, what about this? And then it just continues. So it's important to oh. verbalize. Absolutely. When I have a question, I, I know the process by now. When I have a question, I think the question, I meditate on it, and then I pay attention because I will get my answer. 
whether it's a conversation, something I see, something I read, something I hear, the answer always comes to me. I, I just have to pay attention when it does and see it for what it is. Something that struck me talking about that things that make you pay attention was a very strong thing on your website that resonated for me. Going to read it, it's the quote from your page. It says, the future of the healthcare industry includes more than the best of modern medicine. Many of us have found that we need more than what our traditional healthcare provider has to offer. As the paradigm shifts, more of us have reached beyond our HMOs and PPOs and discovered healing practices that many cultures have used for thousands of years. And that's the end of the quote. Daniel, can you share more on on what you have found people are struggling with in modern medicine that maybe gets them to go looking? Oh, okay. Well, first, I I, I want to say unequivocally, that I am a huge fan of my, of the miracle that is our modern medicine. Okay, and I and I want, can't stress that enough because so many within our community want nothing to do with it, and I just think that's you know I don't want to get judgy, but I I just think that's foolish because what what is going to happen is a blend of because everybody should have access to the latest and greatest of modern medicine plus the proven alternative therapies and practices that have been with us forever you know they've been with us forever because they were and um now modern medicine is accepting that and more open to it but the challenges of modern medicine let me give you an example of a client that came to me not too long ago his name was tom and he was suffering from tinnitus ringing in his ears and he sought me out because his doctors were stumped in that he went to his primary care physician, had a full physical, uh, blood work came back good, strong, healthy guy, had an EKG, strong heart, went to an ear, nose, throat specialist, and a neurologist, MRI, and the results were inconclusive. Despite you know the efforts of this highly skilled team of professionals, they were unable to diagnose the cause of this ringing in his ears. And he knew he wasn't crazy. He knew he wasn't imagining it. So he took matters in his own hands. And that is one of the problems in that people believe, well, people don't know that modern medicine is not an exact science. It's not, you know, and unless you get proof like with blood work or you see the broken arm, you know, a lot of times they're just throwing the dice a lot of ways, you know, and they, they try this, maybe this will work, maybe that'll work. You know, they make educated guesses. And, and also when I don't like the arrogance I've encountered, you know, my way or the highway. Now, um, that's not how it's going to be, but it's how it's been for a lot of people. Because Tom told me that, you know, they thought they, one of their solutions was go to a psychiatrist. And how many times has that happened for people, especially when you're just crazy? You know, we, we avoid that. And we take a more enlightened, forward thinking approach because the blend, the balance is what's coming. It's happening now. A couple of years ago, I got a phone call. My friend Jay, and Jay is a clinical psychologist. He's not just a counselor. You know, he has his doctorate. He wrote books. He's very good at what he does. And he called me out of the blue and he said, hey, Dan, I have this patient. Her daughter was killed by a hit and run driver about a year ago. And since then, she's come unglued. She's bouncing off the wall. She can't put together two senses. I have tried with the tools I have. I cannot help her, but I know you can. You know, can we get together? I know it's said, of course. And so we did, but that's how it should be. But Jay, in doing that, he put his license on the line, you know, because I asked him, well, what are you going to do about this? He said, I'll just keep two separate books, two separate files on her because I know this will work. So what happened when they came by and we met, she was a bit standoffish and she came right out and said, you know, how can you possibly help me? You don't even begin to understand what I'm going through. And I said, sweetie, you're right. I have no idea what it's like to lose a child. And suddenly at that, but I do know what it's like to lose the most important person in your life. And suddenly at that, and she kind of thought about it. She says, okay, we can do this. You know, as a healer, meeting other healers, many of us have had those experiences. And when you can say to somebody that's really suffering, sister, I get it. 
I feel your pain. You know, you are so much closer to helping them heal because they know, you know, you know, it's, you know, ex addicts and drunks make the best rehabilitation counselors because they know, you know, modern medicine is modern medicine. It's what we do with it. And the big thing now, what is so groundbreaking, what I'm so proud and, and excited to be part of is um, Banner Bay would make hospital in Mesa, Arizona started a program where they're offering Reiki treatments to patients and staff. And this is a groundbreaking program. And I'm very honored that I get to be part of this because there's never been anything like it in the Southwest. And we are going to be helping eventually hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people be touched by the work we do. And the good folks at Banner Baywood are very forward thinking because they know that Reiki will be part of the standard American medical model eventually. It's going to happen just like it is in Canada right now. Parts of Canada, under certain insurance programs, you can get your Reiki treatments covered. And it's just a matter of time before that happens here because Reiki works. It is effective. It is powerful. It is uncomplicated. And the studies are there. The studies have been done. There's studies that are ongoing. The studies show the, the true credible studies show that Reiki helps with anxiety, helps with depression, and helps with pain management. Okay, But there is a preponderance of evidence, testimonials. People say they felt better, healed faster. Anything from diabetes, heart disease, lupus, ADHD, infertility, cancer, cancer, cancer. It doesn't matter what the ailment is. Reiki will help but anyway. That was very nicely said, Daniel. Thank you. What is the difference or connection between shamanism and Reiki? And how did you discover them and what they both brought to your integrated healing? Well, shamanism, you know, the shamanic side of part of who I am, that is, it's a spiritual path. Whereas Reiki is a spiritual practice. It's a thing you do. Shamanism is a thing you are, a thing you be. Reiki is a thing you do. You have to practice it. You have to do it like meditation. You have to practice it. And although Reiki can bring one closer to their spiritual side, it is not a spiritual path. Okay. It is a tool that we use to help others. Energy medicine, it's medicine. Usually people are much more spiritually inclined that are Reiki practitioners and those that receive Reiki treatments, but one need not be, one can be, you know, not believe in God at all. One can be a complete atheist and still, you know, receive the benefits of Reiki. That's for sure. Um, shamanism, it's a mindset. It's a way of seeing the world. You know, we've all heard that expression to wake up spiritually. And what that is, that's when we connect to our spiritual side and all of a sudden the channel changes and we wake up the next day nothing's changed but everything's different and everything's different because our perspective is different and it bringing that new perspective to things and when you can bring that to everyday life it changes everything because conflicts are different because it's not a conflict it's an opportunity to grow that guy that's pissing me off well, when I take a step back and really look at it, oh, he's something. He's present in my life to teach me a lesson. I don't want to slap. No, I'm supposed to learn something from that person. Teach and you I, how you okay. want to be. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I have to remember that, you know, and uh, sometimes we get caught up in the moment because, you know, I've been very unspiritual at moments and that's okay. That's, you know, my the human animal that I am barking, but we're all in it together. You know, we all are a piece of God. The Indians have a great metaphor. They say that we're all leaves on the tree of God. You know, we're all in it together. I believe, you know, every face I see is the face of God. We all are that in this spiritual journey. And it is. We're spiritual beings having a physical experience. And in this physical experience, we're here to learn and to grow and to experience. And it is a remarkable place to be it's a privilege to be here and okay i'll go there everyone watching this you chose to be here this time this place spiritual being having a physical experience 
You chose to be here. Why? Because it's all going down now. We are now stepping into what they call the golden age, where we are evolving individually, but collectively as well, along with Mother Earth. It's all happening. And the people that are passing away, like last year, we lost people. It was, you know, they made a lot of news about it, but we're going to be losing more people. And we're going to be losing more people. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because some of us are here for different reasons. It might, you know, some might be a young soul. It might be it's their time. They're not ready to make that spiritual leap. And, and that's okay. Uh, something was born. When something's born and something dies. It's the, it's the way of things. And what kicking and screaming. So for a while, things might get worse before they get better. But um, it's all part of the experience. And, you know, Things might get more challenging. There's nobody that is not feeling the uncertainty of these times. We're all feeling it. It's kind of like we're all holding our collective breath, waiting for that other shoe to drop. Nobody wants to talk about it. But, you know, these changes we've experienced the last year and a half are monumental and unexpected and wreaking havoc on society. You know, as a result, people are lost and people are angry and people are depressed and people are anxious like never before. People are in pain and that's one reason why people are looking for something else because what they have isn't working. And I believe deep down inside people are feeling that there is something else, but they've just never been exposed to it. They don't know what it is, but they know it's out there. You know, I had um, a new client reach out to me a, a few weekends ago. It was a Sunday and she sent me this email. I'm in for a convention from Colorado and I want to have some sort of Reiki or shamanic experience. So I, I emailed her back. I said, why don't you give me a call and we'll try to narrow it down to see what you want to see how I can help. And first off, I just thought she was, you know, wasting my time because that does happen. But I, as I started to talk to her, she was in town from Colorado. And as it turned out, she runs the nursing staff of a large hospital up there. And I needed to meet her just as much as she needed to meet me. And while I was talking to her on the phone, my guides were screaming to me, you know, you will accommodate this person. And she said, you know, can I come see you tomorrow? Can you come here? Can I'll come back in a week? I said, no, I, I will be, I will come to see you. I'll, I can be there at 530. And she was kind of shocked because I, I did drop everything to go there and get with her and uh, see what I could do for her. And it was, we had a wonderful time. And she got what she needed, as did I. Anytime there's an interaction of two people, there's always an exchange of information, of stuff, of money, of energy. But there's always an exchange. And, you know, when I remember that, all my interactions are like that. Like, okay, I'm here for, I'm talking to this pe person for a reason. You know, what am I supposed to learn? Beautiful. Wonder if you can share how your shamanism is connected to the environment of Arizona. I'm in Australia, so what you can share will be significant to me because I'm from a different land energy and I'm just wondering how your shamanism is connected to that land and environment in Arizona. Okay, great question. I think uh, shamanic practitioners are connected to the land specific to where they learned their practice, you know, where they were initiated. And one of the main ways is shamanic shamans, we don't call them angels or spirit guides. We call them animal totems. They look different, but they're the same thing. And our animal totems that we have access to are what are indigenous to, you know, Arizona, because this is where I grew up spiritually. So the animals that are here, yes, I connect with them. I, um, you know, the uh, the totems are part of who I am, who guide me, who I rely on, who help me. But this was about, I don't know, 20 years ago. I had this project to do and I needed to get it done. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if I could call on rhinoceros to help me? Because I wanted that, you know, boom. And um, I spoke with a friend of mine and she said, you can do that too. You know, you're not limited to North America. And that kind of, the light bulb went off. But for me, the Arizona desert, it's a magic place. And this is where I, I, I was born spiritually. Right. So you came originally from East Philadelphia. Coast. Yes. Philadelphia. And I, 
there was a carrot and a stick that got me out of Philadelphia. And this was in San Francisco. I was living with family, working with family. I was there for two weeks and I realized this is not it. <laughs> this is definitely not it. And so I went to the library. I got out of a tour book and I flipped through the pages, closed my eyes. Okay, God, where are we going? Boom. Taos, Mexico. Long story short, <laughs> I wound up here. It wasn't even on my radar, but this is where I needed to be. I didn't know that at the time, but this is where I needed to be. This is where spirit wanted me. Yeah, the old days when you'd open up a book and I've, I've, huh? I've had a few of those, right? <laughs> right. Um, Google doesn't exist. That's great. Um, yeah. So, Daniel, you started talking earlier about people are sensing that there's something going on that they're looking for. And what have you noticed over the last two years with the pandemic has changed in how people are presenting, like with anxiety, depression? Are people also more self-aware that they're actually experiencing something different or are they just sort of in a panic? <laughs> what what has well, changed or not? Well, what has changed? A lot, so much has changed. You know, there's an epidemic of anxiety. There's an epidemic of depression. There's an epidemic of relapse in the recovery community like never before because these are uncertain times. People don't know what to do and people are scared shitless. You know, at more or less, and, and and they are, and I, and all those feelings are valid right now. Being afraid, being angry, being in pain, being confused. What is happening? You know, am I going to be okay? Is my family going to be okay? There is a lot of that right now, and nobody has the answers. You know, my suggestion is to stay grounded, stay connected as well as you can, and stay out of the crazy. Just stay out of the crazy and do the next right thing. When we get on our path, when we, you know, commit to our spiritual path, we don't know where we're going. We don't know what it's going to look like. You know, my life is very different today than it was two years ago. And I know two years from now, it's going to be very different than it is today. I don't know what it's going to look like. And I don't need to know. I just do the next right thing. Meeting you ladies today and speaking to you, that is the next right thing. Because from this, something else will happen. And when the next right thing presents itself, I'll know that, you know, there's a project I started. That's one of the next right things, you know, and, and we're going to keep moving along till I get to where I'm supposed to be. Now I get to put myself in that, what I want in that, you know, the law of attraction and working with that along with God's will, but ultimately it's God's will, you know, where, where am I going to be the most good, do the most good. That's one of the reasons I'm at the hospital. Um, I, I get to help a lot of people, you know, in a small amount of time with the gifts I have. But people, people are lost. I think that's the perfect way. And people are in denial. People don't want to admit what is going on because it is pretty ugly and it is pretty scary. And I don't do the news. I stopped doing the news years ago because I realized that the news is what happens on news is very upsetting to me and I cannot change it. I cannot facilitate positive change. I mean, maybe a little and in doing so lose myself in the process. No, there's a prayer. It's called the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. I can't change what happens on news. So I, I don't do the news and my life is much more peaceful as a result. I, I just stay away from it completely. And I think every, if everybody did that, the world would be a much more peaceful place because that news is what's stirring everybody up and making them cuckoo. You know, we're going to, every six months, there's going to be a new variant. There will be. You watch. There will always be a new variant, a new thing to scare people. And we are so very lucky in Arizona. I heard things are kind of tight where you are, Angie. Um, the other states have had a completely different experience than we have. Both coasts, especially the West Coast, it's a very different experience. And I'm very grateful that I am not there, nor will I be visiting anytime soon. And, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it is what it is. And yeah, it's scary. But stay out of it. You know, God's going to look out for me. I know what to do next. And that's all I need. Well, I'm like you. I don't watch the news either. Good. 
Yeah. You get it. <laughs> I, 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 now I believe it's designed specifically to scare people and to make people angry. You know, hate. How much hate was floating around not too long ago? You know, how much hate? Oh, oh, that, that's so, because it's not necessary. It was all artificial. It was all made up. You know, that's not who we are. You know, people watching, that guy on the other side of the aisle, that is not your enemy. He is your brother. The woman on the other side of the fence, she's not your enemy. She's your sister. Okay. And we have to start seeing ourselves as who and what we truly are. Okay. We, we should be walking hand in hand together into the promised land. That's the world I am co-creating. Not this. This is not my world. No. Don't want any part of it. Forgive me. <laughs> no, you don't need any forgiving. But I, I wanted okay. to show you that um, Patty and Daniel were on the news. So you are changing the vibration through that. So there was a Fox News story. Maybe we can have it in the show's notes. It's a clip where sure. Fox News came to Banner Hospital and did a story on how you were impacting. One of the workers was there taking Reiki from Patty and Daniel you were sharing. So even if you're not watching, you can still affect the vibration and look what happened it, just by focusing on that new age that you're talking about and continuing your path. And the news picked well, it up. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a good point. My teacher, she had a couple of sayings and a couple of bottom lines. When, when, when I would get to a new place that in me, of me, that I didn't get or frightened me or was too much or whatever, Melody would say, stand in your truth and own it. Right. And, you know, that's what we do today. We stand in our truth and own it. For the longest time, I didn't talk about the Reiki much. And I think that was family conditioning, society conditioning or something or, or not believing or whatever. But I literally didn't know how to have that conversation. You know, I didn't know how to have the conversation. You know, now I do. So I do. But standing in one's truth and owning it, because the more I do that, the more Angie, you do that, the more Patty does that, that, as you know, opens the door and gives others permission to stand in their truth, especially when it's similar to our own. You know, we're all looking for that tribe that we belong to. And there's many more of us than we realize. Many, many more of us and many more people are waking up. We can feel that going. So on, under, on one hand, we have what has always been. And on the other hand, we have, you know, the dawn of the age of Aquarius. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of cool. <laughs> so getting back to Reiki, mm -hmm. how does Reiki help anxiety, overwhelm, and depression? Oh, it's, it's medicine for that because the way the, the process works is the, the energy, the energy medicine moves through the body of the practitioner, then out his or her hands and into the body of the patient or client. When the energy enters the body, it relaxes the body. And it's this relaxation that facilitates the healing process. And what science has been able to discover that the energy, when it enters our body, it reacts with our autonomic nervous system. Now, that's the part of the nervous system that regulates our involuntary bodily functions, like breathing, heart rate, etc. Now, the autonomic nervous system, it has two branches, two modes. The sympathetic nervous system, which is also known as the flight or flight stress mode, and the parasympathetic nervous system. This is also known as the rest and digest healing mode. When the energy enters our body, it clicks the body into parasympathetic healing mode dominance. And that's what we want because that is when our body self-healing mechanisms are working their best. See, people don't know this, but when our bodies experience any sort of healing, it's the body that heals itself. Now, we can facilitate that process with certain medicines or therapies, what have you, but ultimately, it's the body that does the heavy lifting. And in order for the body's self-healing mechanisms to work their best, the body needs to be in a state of rest. And that's what the energy does. Now, science has found out 
what the energy does, but they haven't discovered as of yet how, like the reaction that like on the atomic level of the reaction that takes place in the body that um, kicks the body into parasympathetic mode dominance. But it will. But um, it relaxes us. The energy will relax you. That's one of the things we're doing at the hospital. You know, uh, my focus has changed. I'm more focused on healing the healers and helping the staff because they are overwhelmed right now. And as you see, about 10, 15 minutes of Reiki, you know, you get to reset and it, it changes. You get, you get to reset and you get to start your day over again. See, I don't care how bad of a day somebody's having. Stab it out fires. Nothing's going right. You know, give me 20, 30 minutes. You know, you'll have a whole different experience. You negotiate the rest of that day completely different. And I do make office calls. <laughs> You're right. I mean, when we experience giving the Reiki to people that are in overwhelm or having a lot of putting out fires all day, it's amazing the difference of when they come to you and when they leave. And Daniel, what is normally the first thing that they say after the treatment? For me, wow. they always say, wow. Right. Wow. That's the first thing that they say. I, I love when I get to share this gift with people that have never had the experience yes. before, you know, cause they're, they're part of that group that is searching. They know there's something out intuitively. They know there's something more out there and, and we get to, to open that door for them, help them open the door on themselves right. and surprised. And, and the old timers are like, yeah, come on, give it to me. I need it now. Boom. Done. Next. They say, well, the people that have had it before know it works and they love it when we come around. The only challenge has been them getting time to get away just to get 15 minutes, right. you know, away from their patients so they can receive the treatment. But, you know, working on it, see what happens. Something will break. But, yeah, they they are very grateful that we're there now. And yeah. I am grateful that I, I get to help out. Yeah. And when people are down and they have Reiki, after the experience, their energy level is up. Absolutely. They'll, they Absolutely. Feel so relaxed and calm and at peace. They have a peace that they can't even explain. I, either can I. I just know it works. You know, I, right. it, 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 Reiki works. And what I always recommend is, you know, at two, three o'clock in the time in the work day, when you're starting to drag and you're thinking about a cup of coffee, that's when I was taught to do my afternoon meditation. So that's when I meditate and do my afternoon Reiki treatment. Bam, ready to go. Yes. And it's delicious. You know, it really is. It's a wonderful, wonderful 20 minutes I give myself. So, Daniel, one of the other things that you do is you perform Reiki on pets and animals. What is one of your pet Reiki experiences and how did performing Reiki help the animal? Okay, first, let me say one of the most frustrating things as a healer is when people don't want it. And that, you know, there's rules to this work. Yes. Steadfast rules to the work. And the work has a capital W. The work is anything that brings oneself or someone else closer to God. And there are rules. And one of the main rules is I, I don't care if you're on death's door. I have got to ask permission Correct. before I, I, I help. And a lot of people don't want the help. So uh, one, one of my most successful stories with pets was with um, a neighbor. And she's had this cat for 17 years. And we were talking one day. Elsa's been really sick. She was constipated and gone for two weeks. Oh, my God. Let, let me come over. And, and here, let, let me come over. See if I can help. So um, I, I was given permission. And this Poor cat. She was just not okay. And she was kind of uptight when I got there. But after about 10 seconds, she kind of just leaned into me and let me do it. And she gave me about somewhere between 15 and 20 minutes. She just lay there and took in the energy. And uh, and then when she was done, you know how cats are. Yes. She got up and 
just walk That's away. Pretty long. That's pretty long for a cat to take that much. Yeah. But the next day she, uh, my neighbor found a nice little present in the litter box. And, <laughs> but um, the, 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 the challenge with this situation was she had taken the cat to the emergency room twice and it was getting very, very expensive. And she had an appointment three days after I, I got to do the treatment. And the, her, her veterinarian said that, that the Reiki saved the cat's life because, you know, nothing was moving, but it started to move. Yeah. Because a lot of times when you're doing Reiki on people or even you're giving the Reiki, you'll hear your stomach growling or their stomach growling. It's releasing oh, yeah. that energy throughout the whole body. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's about relaxing. Yes. And when we do get to relax, all sorts of good things happen. You know, I, I just ha- had a client who um, was in and uh, she has that sciatic nerve challenge. But when she relaxes, it's okay. But she's relaxed. That's part of the tension, how tension destroys us and our bodies. Daniel, what are people saying to you when they come for healing? What do they understand that healing is and how it can help? The people I'm meeting recently, they don't know what they want, but they know they need something else. And, and so they're out looking. And, you know, they some are guided to me. Some are guided to somebody else, you know, but they're being guided by the universe, by God, by a higher power, by the spirit, whatever, to us now. And I think for some reason, they're, they have permission to do so. You know, it's a little more widely accepted, but, you know, a lot of people still have trouble with it. But um, a lot of people just need to be educated is what it comes down to anymore. It's about education. And, you know, and, and that's one of my, one of my missions is to educate everyone because there's no reason why any, everyone should be, if not getting a Reiki treatment and becoming a Reiki practitioner, because it is not that complicated. Anyone can be a Reiki practitioner. It's not that hard, but the way that process works, it's called the attunement process. And what happens to make a long story short is that the Reiki master teacher will open up the person so they can channel the energy. They're opened at the crown chakra, heart chakra, and hand chakras. And after only one attunement, you are a Reiki practitioner for the rest of your life. And with each attunement, of course, you get stronger and you learn more with each level. But everyone should be doing it. It is so wonderful. Every time I, I went from one to two and then my master training, it was in combination with a major quickening I was experiencing. There was all sorts of other stuff going on when I was learning and growing quickly in a short period of time. Reiki is it's a wonderful, wonderful tool on so many levels. Yeah, it's amazing how healing can actually change our perception of time itself. So things that might have taken so much effort after a Reiki session things just happen automatically in a few minutes that you might have been worrying about for five years and then boom, something just shifts like the cat before, you know, that release. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Because, I, you know, when you get out of the way and let it happen, instead of it worrying about it happening, you know, it, it happens. You know, a lot of times we're our own worst enemy. You know, that, that worry, that anxiety, it does no one any good. It's just a waste of energy. But yeah, getting out of the way and letting it happen. One thing I learned, there is a saying, dependence, no, independence through dependence is when I rely on that thing, that thing up there that I call God or my higher power or whatever, when I rely on that to take care of the big stuff, the big monumental stuff, I trust that it will be taken care of. And I know it will. So I don't have to worry about every little detail because it's so overwhelming. You know, you can't. You know, a lot of things you just can't make change that you just have to let, you know, you do what you can, you lay the groundwork, you suit up, you show up, and you got to let it go, give it up. You know, you've done what you can. Worrying does no one any good. Worrying about yesterday, what we did yesterday, or, you know, worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow. None of that. You know, regretting yesterday, worrying about tomorrow. None of it works. It sounds like to me that healing can be re-marketed to the public in these times because it's also a change in your perception about life and how the world should be. 
in particular, I'm a cancer survivor, so I was interested in what you have noticed with the changes in cancer with your people that you connect with and how much it's showing up and if you have any insights on cancer and how what it can mean for people if they're experiencing cancer and if you've noticed an increase in cancer, what that might be encouraging people experiencing cancer, how they could look at themselves because healing for me is about what you were saying about that change in perception of I have to think about the big stuff. No, actually my cancer journey was about thinking about where I am in this moment and that was a big lesson for me. But I'm wondering if you can share about your experience with cancer. Sure, absolutely. My history with cancer, I haven't thought about it until now, but it seems like it comes in waves where I'll, I'll hear about a bunch of people in a shorter amount of time that I know or Yes. No people that know people that have cancer. And then I won't hear about it for a while. One of the most frustrating things about medicine, modern medicine, and the oncology departments is when you're doing your chemo, I don't know anyone that hasn't had this experience that the, the, the doctors and the nurses say, do not take any vitamin or mineral supplements. It will counteract your treatment. It'll make your treatment not work. It, it'll get in the way. And, and that is just fucking bullshit okay there are certain vitamins very small amount that do get in the way of chemo that's one of the challenges i have with the modern medical system is that as far as cancer is concerned is that it's my belief by stating that lie all the time what i'm hearing is if you're going to heal at all you will heal our way okay we don't want anything else involved in your healing process even though we know that you could use all these vitamins and mineral supplements because you're not eating, for God's sake, because you can't eat because you're throwing up all the time. But so what? We don't really care. If you're going to heal, you'll heal this way. That that is what I see happening. And I find that barbaric and selfish and evil because that's a lie. You know, one of my best friends, he had colon cancer and it was just a mess from day one. And uh, after nine months, the wound didn't heal. And I said, Jim, you know, why don't we try, you know, why don't we go get a second opinion? You know, why don't you start, why don't you take a couple vitamins and, you know, just, and they're just brainwashed. They're just brainwashed. And when I really pushed him on it, he got really scared. You know, this a big guy. I'm just, yeah, that, that I find it very, very offensive. And I don't understand the process enough as far as chemo and there's special kinds of chemo today that address certain kinds of cancer. But the whole overall idea of killing the person, you know, which will kill the cancer and hopefully you'll come back to life. You know what I mean? Like that paradigm doesn't make sense to me. It really doesn't, but that's just me. What do I know? Right. What you shared about this is the way you have to heal. And it's that that mindset. I've got the answers through the oncology department. Don't don't you try messing around, and the the disempowerment that people feel because when you have the big C, you go into what do I know, right? But right. Um, the the medical system is not doing what what you said it on your website, which is that new version of medicine where we're integrating healing. And all of the the benefits of healing with modern medicine, and people are, are looking for that. But cancer is a really interesting one because it does tend to represent the medical field saying, "No, you have to heal this way." What? How people can work through that is, you know, Reiki chills you out. You know, just like the difference between drinking and smoking marijuana chills you out. Reiki is going to make you relax, you know, and, uh, and it works and it is great for anxiety and everybody's feeling that everyone could benefit by a Reiki from a Reiki treatment, everybody. And I'm grateful. I get to, I have such access to it all the time because I use it all the time. Yes. But back to cancer and Reiki. Okay. Um, you know, God forbid somebody gets the diagnosis of can- any kind of cancer, breast cancer. 
But the fact of the matter is the person that starts receiving Reiki treatments at the beginning of that journey is going to negotiate the entire experience differently than someone who is not. Because the person that's receiving Reiki treatments is going to be calmer and more grounded and more focused and much, much less likely to get overwhelmed in what is an overwhelming scenario. Uh, furthermore, if tissue needs to be removed, like many times it does, you know, the studies show that we heal faster from operations when we're receiving radio treatments. Same thing with chemo and radiation. We bounce back faster, heal faster as a result of Reiki. So anyone who's getting cancer, my goodness, please do yourself a favor. Get some Reiki going at the very least at the beginning because that is overwhelming. You know, you, you step in that and if you don't have an advocate with you, you know, helping you to negotiate all this new stuff and information and doctors and visits and, you know, all that, being calm, you know, even if you do, you know, calmer is good. Calmer is productive. Calmer is effective. You get more done. So, Daniel, tell us about yeah. your intuitive insight and how you can use it in, and how you use it in your practice. Okay, intuitive insight. It's my new word instead of psychic. I use the word intuitive. I, I think the word psychic is, is, is kind of worn out and it invokes images of Madame Zelda and her crystal ball, which people you know tend to connect with charlatanism. Um, but uh, my intuitive insight, I use it all the time. And in my work, it's invaluable. But what it is, see, everybody has the ability. Everybody has the psychic muscle. They just don't know it. It's a matter of identifying it and then working with it and trusting it. But everybody has that ability, just like everybody has the ability to learn to play the piano. In my work, I look for what's out of balance. Now, as far as somebody is, is off balance, if somebody is ill, if somebody is not feeling well, I'll look in that part of them to see what's happening. And I specifically don't look at certain at other parts of that person because in my opinion, it's none of my business. You know, now if somebody, when somebody comes for a reading, they want one of three things. Most times they want to know about their love life, relationship oriented job, money, finances, or their health or health of a loved one. So depending on which one of those three they want to know about is kind of where I look. But uh, yeah, I used it all the time, you know, especially with animals, you know, because they can't talk. Just you go in and with the intuitive insight, what's great about that is that we can make connections with that that will get overlooked by our medical community, you know, and, and we can get do things and see things that the medical community community misses because we have that ability, you know, um, intuitive healers. There, there's a long history of doctors in rural areas where they would have an intuitive individual with them when they go on the rounds to, to help their community because that makes things a lot easier. You know, once you know that person is the real deal, you can rely on them and trust it because it, it's true. Okay. One time somebody reached out and she started a business at home and it was doing very well. And she had an opportunity to expand on the internet. So she wanted to know what I saw. And uh, I saw all green lights. And but I also saw that her marriage was not what she thought it was. And not everybody in that marriage was being monogamous, shall we say. And I saw that. And I was like, oh, no, I don't want to know this. I don't want to know this. But if I was shown that, that means I'm supposed to share about it. And sometimes it, it, it gets very dicey and very, very iffy. Had it even approached something like that, you know, because nobody wants to know that. Nobody wants to know that the person they're spending the rest of their life with is cheating on them. That's hard to address. But if I'm showing it, you no, know, I'm, I'm supposed to bring it up, point it out. So what I did was, um, you know, um, for her business, all green lights, all that was looking good. I said, you know, how about we touch base in about two weeks and tell me how, how it goes, how it's going. But in the meantime, I would like to think about paying attention to those closest to you. And for the first time, keep tabs on people. What? What's wrong? I don't know for sure. Can't prove anything. I don't know if anything is wrong, but make sure people are where they say they are with who they say they are. And if there is a challenge, you'll probably see it. What, what, what's wrong? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. 
I don't know, just do this. She started doing that and she was a quite a very astute woman and she, she figured it out herself. <laughs> she didn't need me to tell her, but it, it, it's good sometimes, you know, helping people. It's great. But sometimes you learn things about people that you'd rather not know. So it's a matter of turning it off, you know, or if I had lunch with a friend, you know, and they're, you know, sharing a challenge they're having, I have to turn it off, you know, or else I'll, I'll, I'll be working and tell them what to do with their life. And that's not, that's not okay. <laughs> so if you were going to give me an intuitive insight reading, what would it be like? Well, it depends what, what your question was, you know, what you wanted to, to know about. And if you didn't have anything specific in mind, what I would do is I would look in and look at your health first, your physical health, and see what's going on with that. Some people are shy about sharing what's going on with them. So we have to, you know, say it for them. But I, I would look at your physical health first. And, but even before I do that, I ask, you know, I'll ask, well, what do I need to see? What does this person need to learn about themselves? Why am I here? How can I help? So even before I look, sometimes I get messages of what it is, whatever it is, is presents itself to me. So it, it depended what you wanted to learn about, you know, because we could go anywhere with that. Mm-hmm. Truly. So how can an integrative healing practice help a person's relationship within themselves and others? Oh, what a great question. The more healthier an individual becomes, the healthier your world becomes. And I've noticed it during my healing process. Won't say what's going on, but other people notice the change in you. And if it's something different, Daniel, different, what's going on with you? I'll share, you know, about if it's an alternative thing, but I will share what I've been doing to help myself. But um, even without doing that, I have observed time and time again, when an individual gets better, gets healthier, their world gets healthier. It's just an osmosis thing. It just affects everybody in a healthy and positive way. You know, when one member of that family starts to heal, they all start to heal. Some families. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, 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 it's just the way of things. It, it's it's a it's an amazing thing to watch. Other people, when you're up and in a good mood, that affects everyone. When you're down and depressed, it affects everyone. When you're healthier, it affects everyone. Daniel, how can our listeners find you or contact you about your products, services, and workshops? Oh, um, please. Go to my site, whitewolfblackbear.com, and you can see what I'm about. And you can message me at info at whitewolfblackbear, or you can call me, shoot me a text. It's best to send an email or text because I am probably busy doing something. Answering a phone is not always that easy for me, but I will get back to you within the first 24 hours. Myself or my assistant, Michelle, will get back to you and we'll schedule a, um, a consultation on the phone. And during the consultation, we'll talk about what you need, uh, what you think you need, what's going on, and how I can be of service. So call, text, email. Thank you, Daniel. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, there is. Friends have to knock off the bickering, okay? Because it's pointless. You know, we're all in this together. We are. We're in this together. And if we don't start behaving that way, you know, everything's going to go to shit. But, you know, a lot of people are focusing on the negative. You know, for the first time in the history of this planet, there's never been more love alive. People are waking up everywhere. There's another army, the army of us. And, and there is a war going on. There is a spiritual war happening right now. And we're all part of it. Wake up. Oh, okay. One, there's more love alive on the planet than ever before. And it's a beautiful thing. Two, there has never been more transparency than there is today. This internet is a miracle. Right now, I'm talking to some stranger in Australia that I've never met. That is a miracle to me. Okay. The connections that we can make today are it, it is magic because before the internet, you know what we had? We had television, we had the radio, we had encyclopedias, we had libraries, we had books, we had magazines. That was it. Telephones. That was it. 
This internet is a game changer. We now have access to more information than we ever did before. Information is power. It is. So the love, the transparency, everybody's, people are waking up. People know there's more out there. And even though they're not, doors aren't opening for them, you know, not everybody has somebody like me around saying, hey, come on, follow me. People know. So they're out on their own search. They're searching for more. They don't know what they're looking for, but they know it's out there. And that is a good thing. And power to you. Find your place of peace. You know, we're fighting the war with love, right? Yeah, that's it. Everyone, you know, look out for each other. To somebody close by that you love, you know, go give them a hug and tell them. Because we don't know what's going to happen. Things change so quickly. You know, your friends, your family, those closest to you, that, that those relationships, they matter. And it's all very fragile right now. You know, be grateful for what you have and don't complain about what you, you don't have. One's happiness is in direct proportion to one's gratitude. You can't have one without the other. Okay? Be grateful. Don't worry. You know, gratitude. Is your cup half full or is it half empty? For me, okay, I have a cup. I'm good. Okay, I have a whole cup, you know, but I think that's it. Ladies, thank you for having Thank you for coming on. In this episode, Daniel has given us a lot to think about, building relationships with integrated healing. We would love to hear your tips, strategies, or inspiring stories on building better relationships at home and at work, or about this podcast topic. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to Building Better Relationships with Angela and Patty. Send us a message and please like or share the podcast or donate with the Anchor Donate button. We really value your feedback.